On today's episode of Fauda, I'm like, imagine it's a bomb. Akid la. Maybe 10 seconds later, I feel like the whole building was going to collapse. Food, alcohol, like even drugs. People around me have been like going crazy because they feel like, okay, there's no tomorrow, but the issue is there is a tomorrow. Meditation, talking to people, seeing a therapist, even physical activity, going, running, running to, listening yeah. to our podcast. Listening. Come in. Yeah. <laughs> Good plug, you son of a bitch. <laughs> So every single trauma brings up other trauma that mm -hmm. are similar to what you've experienced. How was your alhamdulillah? You were obviously close to it. Did your house get completely, completely fucked? Yeah. So and I, I was completely like, I couldn't understand that it was real. Like the whole experience, how it happened, where I was, my parents. Like, the, so let me kind of set up the scene so i, <laughs> I when it, it happened <laughs> nana they cut the, the electricity off from four to six so my phone got turned off at like five i didn't have any battery and i was supposed to leave the house at 6 15. so i'm alone at i'm alone at, at home uh my family is not here the girls are not here like no one's there and i plug in my phone to charge it at six i'm like yalla airplane mode i know whatever like trying to hey they're getting dressed super fast and at like 6.08, I feel like uh, uh, the earth, like a tremblement de terre, earthquake. I feel an earthquake. And uh, I'm like, imagine it's a bomb. Maybe 10 seconds later, I feel like the whole building was going to collapse. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? And uh, I'm, I couldn't understand. I was like, you know, are they trying to kill me? Who's trying to kill me? It was all about me yeah, in that yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there were snipers outside waiting <laughs> for you. I, yeah. I thought the same thing. <laughs> so I call, I, I tried to call my mom, her phone's off. I tried to call my dad and I'm like, pop, you know, the, the, the building is going to collapse. I don't know what to do. He tells me, Tara, look at the window. It's all Beirut. And I was like, so, so I tried to, and he tells me go to the entrance. So I tried to leave my room. I can't like the whole corridor is like full of doors and stuff. And so I go to the, I go to the living room and it's like an apocalyptic movie. Like everything outside is brown. The whole house is full of glass and everything's like on top of each other. And then I remember I have my cat. I'm like, where the fuck is that cat? Like, where the fuck is that cat? And I'm trying to call my mom and my sister at the same time. And my sister is next to room hospital. And we didn't know what was happening by then. So, you know, I'm trying to call my sister. She's like, find the fucking cat. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna find the cat. <laughs> and no one's home yet. And then in the next like 10, 20 minutes, you know, people are starting to come up and my mom still hasn't answered 20 minutes later. So we're like, you know, I'm gonna go downstairs, find my mom and etc. Bref, we, uh, everybody comes home. First instinct, Ella, we start cleaning up. But it didn't give me time to process what happened. Like, I couldn't understand. We found the cat, by the way. It's alive. I was going <laughs> to ask, ask you. Yeah. Where's the fucking cat, man? <laughs> should have seen when I found that cat. I literally hugged it. Like, I hugged that cat so hard. <laughs> and then we started cleaning till like 1 a.m. And then the next day I wake up and I see my house completely ruined again. Like, thank God we could sleep at home. The, the, glass, the glass in our rooms didn't get anything. Ha nothing happened to the glass in our room. So, um, so the next morning I wake up at 6 and I look around and I see all the buildings around my house. But like, I know, know we're in a simulation and I press the wrong button and everything got, <laughs> everything got ruined. So, so uh, I was like, okay, I need to go outside. I want to walk around. I have to see what happened. The damage, yeah. So we walk down. So I tell my, I force my mom to come with me and we start walking down Jemeze. No, no, no. 
like smoke and things falling and glass i couldn't يعني, it's been two weeks i swear glass like has this i have this weird reaction you to still have glass like, in your shoes literally yeah. we still find glass at home it's insane it's insane it's heartbreaking yeah and so i've been helping also with afrajoa and we go into people's houses and i think you know where how are we going to start cleaning this mess and where do we start exactly and there's wood glass uh, things piled up everything's all over the place all over the yeah. place and you have like these people who are like yeah please i have this uh, picture of my daughter how the fuck are we going to find the fucking picture you know yeah, literally the house, the house is like on the floor do you remember that that when we went to mm-hmm. monkhaya the old woman bro that woman still I, every time i think about it it shakes me she, up basically man. she was uh, on one of the prime streets in, in monkhaya and um We went to help her and we went up and she lives obviously in one of the older buildings and their elevator was completely total. If you were inside, yeah. You're you're gone for sure, dropped all the way down. And we were trying to help her and we were saying, okay, what can we take? Can we carry this? She was giving us a few things to do and a few tasks. And then she says, look, you see anything you want, you take it. And I said, and this is a woman who's Maybe not homeless, but now borderline homeless because yeah. her house is. You could say she's in her seventies, maybe living with her mother, who's even like in her nineties or eighties. Yeah, no. So exactly, these are very um, high risk type of people. Yeah. And she looks at us and she says, and "Her hand, bro. Her hand bandaged." And she says, "Take whatever you want." And we said, "What do you mean?" She's like, "We're like, you need all these things." She's like, "I don't need anything. They've taken literally everything from me at this mm. point. You see anything you like, take it." And this is a person now who's living in quite a i mean so an apartment that's inhospitable you know i remember we were supposed to leave five minutes before it happened and then we had one of our co-workers here and he just wanted to show us this instagram video which was like ridiculous the stupidest instagram video. you know little tom on the beat no it's like this guy that does like arabic voiceover over cartoons like spongebob Squarepants. oh yeah, yeah i yeah, love yeah. them yeah they're so good they saved our lives <laughs> they saved our lives because if we didn't watch that video we would have either been inside the elevator, elevator or like just leaving the building and all the glass yeah. and everything and got like uh, it rained down on the floor mm. so basically that video helped um and that ties back into like when we first when it first happened when that experience first happened and then when we came back to the office a week later for like a whole week that week in particular when we were in the office we were always like shivering and on edge and it was because if a door closes you think oh fuck yeah, yeah. your, your yeah. brain just snaps back to the original cause of, of all this shit yeah that's a normal reaction to what? something as big jumping yeah. up and being scared of yeah, like yeah, yeah, if someone sneezes yeah okay so your reactions to any sound any like dangerous situation you just react 10 times more than you would usually and is that going to ever like is that going to go or do i have to keep expecting this I mean, for the with next time yeah but like yeah. you get easily startled in the beginning i i saw online that a good way to get over to get over any form of traumatic experiences is first of all talking about them for sure and then another way which i didn't really quite understand is doing like trying to convey them in a creative way like singing yeah. about them or drawing about them or anything artistic i, I didn't really understand that I think it's just expressing everything that like verbalizing, making it concrete. So for example, yesterday I was talking to a therapist who uses clay with her patients. So she'll just get a bunch of clay and they'll kind of re like form the explosion. And then they'll write a letter kind of describing what they felt, uh, the violence they felt, the trauma, etc. And then they like burn the letter. So it's like symbolic ways of expressing things, but I think talking about it and, 
kind of detailing your experience and talking about wh how you felt at each moment, even though it's hard. It's media in general, like in those times, it's important to like not spend all your time on Instagram or the TV or the news, etc. And seeing the footage over and over again, it doesn't help get over it. So like in front of your children, uh, don't watch too like don't don't talk about it constantly. Like make it a point to play with them to kind of normalize, like go back to normal. Because right after it happened, I think the only thing we were, I literally, the only thing I was doing was going on Instagram. Yeah, literally, the only thing I could yeah. and checking updates and seeing who's going to be held accountable, which still hasn't, <laughs> no one's been held accountable. It's not going to happen, yeah. Yeah, uh, so it, I couldn't control it. Uh, and then I started zoning everyone out. And even till today, I think, I just don't enjoy being around people as much. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sound very weird, but I, I don't like... Like when I'm home, instead of sitting with my parents or anything, I'll go lock myself in my room and... Normal reactions. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> yeah. Do you remember, do you remember, because after the bomb happened, we basically ran to my house, which is quite close. And then the first thing we did, number one, thought it looked like uh, he was like an extra in a Dwayne Johnson movie. Like he was <laughs> covered in rubble. Because yeah. when we were running down the stairs, it was all smoke and, yeah, and shit. Yeah. And, and like the first thing I did literally... I went and I got everyone who was with us like a huge glass of whiskey. <laughs> Your I hand just, was shaking though. And my hand was like this. I was course, literally yeah. shaking. And uh, for some reason, and I, I don't really know why. Well, I, I'm sure I do know why. But every time I do drink, I don't drink every day. But every time I do drink, I'm drinking as if there's no tomorrow. Because there might yeah. not be a tomorrow. No, honestly, like with food, alcohol, like even drugs, people around me have been like going crazy because they feel like, okay, there's no tomorrow. But the issue is there is a tomorrow. Yeah. So, <laughs> And do you think, do you think they're conscious about that? Like people tend to, when they go through any traumatic experience, tend to overdo it when it comes to either eating or doing certain substances, drinking, etc. But do you think most people are conscious that they're increasing the dosage or they think that they're just having fun, but then they I think it so depends. Shit, like basically. it's so... Like it's very, it's on an individual basis that you have to see this. So if you are conscious of the way you are and who you are and the way you act and what you like and don't like to do, and then this kind of traumatic experience happens and then you change these habits, it's easy to detect the change. But if you're a bit all over the place to start with and then this happens and you keep going, then yeah, I don't think you would notice. And I think you would think that it's a normal reaction. It is a normal reaction, but I mean, it's important to go back to the way you are normally. Uh, yeah, see, like, I think people, they use a lot of these things, food, drugs, alcohol, whatever, as a coping mechanism when, when, stif when, yeah, when stuff is, is tough and you just want to get over it. There's too much on your mind. You don't want to think about blah, blah, blah. Fine. That's like the oldest story in the book. But it can be more, it can be more harmful than useful, you know? like yeah, in, sure. in the short term, sure, maybe you'll forget about it. But on the long term, it's a way of escaping. Yeah. So let's say with food, let's say you eat too much. You're going to think about how you ate too much and not the fact like, why did I eat too much? It's going to be like, shit, I ate too much. I have to work out tomorrow and I'm going to yeah. gain weight. And then yeah. you're going to look at yourself the next day in the mirror and be like, oh, shit, I, you know, I, <laughs> I gained weight, etc." So it's just escaping the initial thought or with alcohol or drugs or whatever. It's just basically escaping a reality. So I think the alternative forms of dealing with it, meditation, talking to people, seeing a therapist, even physical activity, going, Listen, running, running to, yeah. listening to our podcast. Listening I mean. <laughs> Good plug, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> listening to our podcast, of course. I think these alternative forms of, of dealing with things over substances and are way, way healthier and way more beneficial in the long run. But after such a huge catastrophe like this, 
you can kind of understand people for immediately saying, I want to numb the pain. I want to. Of course, of course. Have people been like reaching out? Because I know that you have been offering to consult people. and uh, They have, but like I said, like they do the first step where they reach out and they're like, how can we do, like, how does this happen? It's, I'm so scared. It's my first time doing something like this. And I'm always like, it's just a regular conversation. If you don't think it helps, if you're not comfortable with it, you can literally just leave or hang up or, you know, it's, basically the most e like the easiest thing it's a conversation like we're having except you're talking more about your emotions uh so that's like a lot of people have reached out like this a uh, few people have scheduled actual appointments and now i'm s like i'm talking to three people so i have three patients <laughs> and what type of stuff so let's say i come and consult you and i feel the need to talk uh, like you're saying i mean you're, you're not licensed or anything yeah. but what type of stuff do you talk about to help heal the trauma it's just basically talking about it and kind of so every single trauma brings up other trauma that mm -hmm. are similar to mm -hmm. what you've experienced uh so they may be two completely different experiences but the same feeling is there at a different degree and so what i found happened which was interesting is that so you have this big traumatic experience and then you have all other little traumatic experiences that have happened before that are just coming up to the surface now and so it's just a lot of smaller experiences that lead up to this big event. What do you mean by like smaller experiences? Any experience. So let's say when you were three years old, your mom didn't hug you enough or like the smallest thing or you were so hungry one day and you couldn't find food in the fridge. And people wouldn't even know that. Die. People wouldn't even know that these small experiences actually affect their behavior. It's I a think. bit. Yeah, yeah, it's the small experiences that are the leaders of your life. Mm. Really, mm. like small emotions become the yeah. big uh, drivers of your life what are your thoughts about like people sitting down and writing like it's writing so good. their emotions because that, that's that's another thing i started doing as well yeah it uh, helps a lot like even meditate it's basically sitting with yourself and accepting every single emotion every single feeling uh, every thought that passes through your brain and not judging yourself about it so let's say like i said your mom didn't talk you enough when you were three like if you s just say it it sounds dumb but and when you're three it's like the biggest feeling and yeah oh my god my mom doesn't love me but no it still affects you till today so obviously it's an important thing just khalas accept it going back to like talking about moms hugging you or this is just something totally <laughs> off. Are you going to say your mom did a hug? No, no, no. This is, this is off point because I want to... If you're going to cry, motherfucker. I feel, I feel like we're going to edit this out. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Gotta keep it. Uh, off, like a bit of off tangent, but like when it comes to relationships between like guy, guys and girls, a lot of... So from a guy's perspective, a lot of times when guys start uh, like treating their girlfriends in a bad way is due to them not getting enough attention from their moms at a young age. And it's the same way it's tied back to the girl when girls start treating their their boyfriends in a bad way when if they start cheating on them it's they always use the term daddy issues but i feel i'm not gonna say that's 100 percent the case but i've seen a lot of situations where from both ends mm. that is the case that is the case it's so. all related to your attachment yeah. so your early attachment styles define how you're going to attach to people in older life so uh, let's say your mom was very like like we said your mom didn't hug you enough you didn't feel love from your mom your attachment style is going to be avoidant let's say so every time you get close to someone you're gonna like scare like go away or be whatever yeah. yeah and be hesitant about it not want to be in that relationship cheat on them etc so it's basically all related to your attachment style so read about that because it's so interesting and kind of see you can see people through these attachment styles so i'm like this sometimes i can be like this other times and then related to 
past experiences. If you want a fun fact about like trauma reactions, so at work they asked me to kind of see children's reaction to, Hiroshi to the Hiroshima bomb. So it's an atomic bomb. It's very different from the one we had here because it was an attack, wartime, other time, etc. First time there's a bomb that big. Um, but something that I found so interesting was that adult reactions to the event were exactly the same as the ones we had here. So first, uh, a feeling of centrality. So feeling like you were the s at the center of the event. Then it was uh, a shock. And then you have this exhilaration because you're alive. And then there's like anger and then there's numbness. You have all of these like different emotions and they're so similar to the ones we had here. And well, I found it so interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, nobody responded. She, she made me look like a dick. No one responded. Oh, that is interesting. Thanks, Tado. No, it's so interesting. No, it is. It it is. Just like look, I think even what we're doing right now, the fact that we're, we're talking about such a kind of fucking heavy-handed subject and we're laughing, I think even laughing is like a coping mechanism. Like, we're, we're taking something so serious and just kind of fucking around and laughing. But that's, that's all, like, that's, like, as we, I remember we were talking about it in the episode with Noin and Sam, like, that we have no other what choice. Yeah, yeah, what, what else are you going to do? do? You, do? And you can't you do? spend two weeks crying about it. Yeah. Yeah. Then you pick up the pieces and you do something about it. And any other coping mechanism you have, you can't, like, you can't really see friends now because coronavirus cases are fucked. You can't go out anywhere because the only places you could go out are, are destroyed. So this is, this is it. You just have to laugh. Yeah. So that's a very... <laughs> Fun note, uh, kind of. <laughs> 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 um, how how do you, as a person, so you've studied psychology, you have a lot of knowledge about psychology. How do you like, uh, like, do you apply what you study to yourself? How do you analyze yourself? Oof, no. Because <laughs> you're good at analyzing other people, I guess. Psychologists <laughs> no, need psychologists. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's something I'm so interested. I in. I think it's so hard to see your own. I don't know, problematic. I don't know how to Problem. say. Like your own issues. Yeah. Okay. Issues. Okay. Like your big issues. It's so hard to see them. And for me, especially, like, I'm very much in, like, in denial when something negative happens. I'm like, okay, let's move on. It's fine. How do you deal no. with the negativity? Like, you just block it out? And you, you like, my automatic system is, I don't care. It's fine. I'm going to move on from it. But then, you know, two months down the line, I'm like, oh, this is so back. shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's kind of... With Anna, I, I've, been in th like, I'm go I've been going to therapy for three, soon to be three years now. So I know my... Um, I know my cues. I know when something happens. I know when it's negative, and I know how to stop it instead of letting it drag on and become bigger than it actually was yeah. to start with. Yeah. So you're the type of person, I guess, where if a negative thing were happen, as you said, you wouldn't really want to focus on it at the time that it happens. No, but I think it's culturally here, Kamenian. Look, okay, the explosion happened two weeks ago, and you're now seeing people on Instagram two weeks later, like posting party uh, videos, and you see them at restaurants. Like the day of, they were at restaurants. Like Panam and Fara was full. Explain how this is normal F to F me. Fara and Fara are a very uh, unique case, I think. No. You cannot think this way. You can't think no, this no, way. No, no, because people there in general, the lifestyle there is you, you live in a bubble. Before it was happening when poverty was going skyrocketing. And look, I'm, 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 I'm the last person I'm the last person who'd go to people and be like, how dare you do this? How do you live your life how you want it. I yeah. don't know where you've made your income from, but I'm sure you're hardworking and you, you want to go and spend your money and support people because in a way they are supporting the industry. The, economy of Fa'ra and Fa'raya and giving people jobs. Completely agreed. So it's not for me to say anything. However, where the issue comes in is flaunting it yeah. 
and not doing enough to support those two things. There's no need. There's no need to boast about it. Especially like right now is not a time to show yeah. off. Number one and number two, like if you want to go have lunch somewhere, like on the day of, yeah. a bit of respect. Yeah, bad, you know, people no. have lost their homes. Of course. I don't know. It. It. The bomb happened at six ten. I know at nine you're having dinner. Come on. I know literally we were at Kenamen Kennis, my house, yeah, and at that time, I know we, we, we started like cleaning up at 6.30. By 12, we were not even done, but no. It's crazy how, mm -hmm. how people's memories here like evaporate. You said it two weeks, but if this happened in the UK or the US, everyone, literally the whole fucking Tragedy, collective country, yeah. just look, look at the grandfather. Been storming into partitions. Look yeah. at the Grenfell Tower, just like the situation that happened. That was one building that burned down. And they're still talking about it And they still talk about it now. Unfortunately, I feel that for a general population sense, I, I don't like the fact that people just want to get over this. I'm sure there are so many people that don't want to get over this and are putting as much effort as they can to try to restructure the country as like from a systemic point of view. But it's still shit that, as you said, the day it happened, like, yeah. you want to go have dinner, fine, fuck it, go have dinner. But there's no need for you to go, many people have lost loved ones, have lost their homes on that day. There's no need for you to go and start, as you said, flaunt it on Instagram. Or Dude, how can, you, how can you eat? Even? How can you eat, <laughs> exactly? Like, I, I know you maybe weren't in Beirut when it happened and you didn't feel the wrath of it, but... So, of course, you know people still, who lost their exactly. homes. Of course, or you know someone injured who got injured, yeah. Dude, like but also, like, it's important to move on from yeah. what happened, but... Don't forget, don't, and forget don't, yeah. don't act as though you know, everything is fine. Yeah. And no, no, especially now, especially now, which is like two weeks later, which is yeah, nothing. It's nothing, which is nothing. it's nothing. And also, we're still re like, walk through Jamaica today. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a war zone. I wanted to ask what type of things I know. Obviously, we spoke about talking to each other, even if it's calling up a friend and just talking about, but what other things can people start doing to help? kind of ease their mental mental health. When someone talks to you about what they went through, don't say, at least you have your house and your friends are fine and your family is fine. No, don't say that because everybody's lived a traumatic experience. It's fine if they vent about it. And it's fine yeah, if people have it worse than them, it's okay. I know it doesn't mean, it doesn't remove anything from what they're feeling. That's number one. Number two, talk about it. Like mm -hmm. when something is hard to talk about, that's when you need to talk yeah. about it. Uh, number three, try to establish like so, some sort of routine, like go back to your day to day. I feel like for me, the first few days I felt like time stopped. So structure, structure your day. If you like to work out, work out. If you like regular eating times, sleep early, like basic stuff like this. But also like go and help. I think it helps so much to actually go and help for you and for the person you're helping. It makes it more real. It um, it also helps you like uh, externalize your anger also, like you're building stuff, you're removing glass, you're going up and down the stairs, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. in a group also that's, yeah. which, you know, everybody's been through the same experience, so you're all, I don't know, dealing with it together. It helps so much. You have, you're doing physical activity at the same time you're around people so you could talk about yeah. it as well. So it's like the best of You're sharing kind of the burden yeah. of this fucking... I can't even tell you how much that helped me. Like even because you're in the middle of rubble, so you're shouting and... I don't know, organizing and, oh, you're really good at carrying stuff. You do that. You hate that. It's, it's so... It's, you, what yeah, do you think about words like, uh, I'm fine, or we are resilient, or we'll get over? What do you think about this trailer? Oh. Just by her eyes, man. <laughs> no, no, because I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that. <laughs> her but, facial but, expression But then, but then what's, what's the alternative to say, everything is fucked, we're all fucked, we're going I to hell? And people are using it as a slogan now. And no, yes, Beirut has been destroyed seven times. We will rise again. No, we don't want to rise again. I know this situation shouldn't have happened in the first place. 
uh, saying to people, yes, we are resilient and we have been through this before, etc. It doesn't make it any better. It just means that, okay, we have, you have to rebuild. You know, it's going to happen eventually. Yes, we are resilient. Yes, we will get through this. But it doesn't make it okay. And saying, I'm, I know, I'm fine. Yeah, maybe you are fine. But you know, look, look outside. Look outside your window. Walk around, literally walk I, around. I think somebody should knight this girl right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you think it's not, you think it's, it's making what happened okay when you say things like, we're resilient, uh, we're going to get through this, where you think it starts to um, make it less. It makes it look like one of those things that happen in Lebanon. Yeah. Which hey. is not, it's when not we, no, no, we spoke about stop normalizing this type of shit in the Middle East. Yeah. This it's is trying exactly to normalize it. it. Yeah. If it makes you feel better to hear, like, yeah, we are like a phoenix, we will rise again, and all that type of stuff, great. Then you know, read more about this. These read kinds. Read more of about phoenixes. Uh, but for me personally, like, I feel like it's diminishing from the experience. It's I don't know. It's just finding an excuse, honestly. That's how I look. At yeah, it. it's making it okay. No, yeah. it's not okay. It's not okay. I don't want to. Be, I don't want it to be okay. I I agree with you 100. I always I'm my slogan is always to each their own. Whatever you feel the need. To do and to say to help you get through the day, you can do. But it's come to a point, and you were saying it in two weeks. People have been going to lunches. And we can't fucking accept this anymore. It's it's impossible because the next time something will happen, and it will with the incompetence and corruption we have. Maybe we won't get as quote unquote. I don't like to use the word, but lucky because the situation is not even lucky. Yeah. But. That's no, but we did get lucky we, because we, if we it wasn't at the port, we would have received all of the shock. Yeah. And half of it, uh, half of it went into. I'm hearing even more than half of it went into 70 the sea. Seventy percent went to the sea. Imagine it was in the, the center of Beirut. Eh. Like imagine but, it was in Hamad. My point is, there wasn't two hundred, two thousand seven hundred tons. Now they're saying it's between three hundred and six hundred. That's all my, bullshit. My, That's my eh. point. Is luck, luck shouldn't play a fucking hand when you have this fucking type of government, and when you have two thousand seven hundred fifty tons of ammonium nitrate. <laughs> There's a difference between kind of luck happening on your side through, uh, I always use this word, through like serendipity and just fucking sheer incompetence, like surviving through. I'm going to tell you why people say it's luck. And I'm going to tell you why you hear so many stories about Miracle, because only politicians are not seen as politicians. They're seen as superhumans. They're like these father figures. No They're one seen as saints, basically. Yeah, father figures. It's like, a go it's like gods. People get more pissed off if you curse a politician than if you curse their parents. But it's like cursing at God. So yeah. if uh, an atheist tells someone who's religious, yeah, I don't believe in God, fuck God, the atheist is going to go crazy. It's the same thing with if I say I don't like this politician. They're always going to find an argument to, t to say, no, he's good because X, Y, and Z. I know there's always an argument. Hey, how can you find an argument for this? People still do. That's a <laughs> scary part. Yeah, yeah. That's because scary it's part. not it's not rational. Yeah. It's not rational argumentation. It's it's just all like, like e they're emotionally attached to it and they just want to yeah. deny it. So they argue. You study psychology. Can we fucking cure this? Or uh? yeah, actually, I wanted to ask that because <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up. You still have people in this country even after this event of cataclysmic proportions. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, you, Joe still Peter you, still have people, you still have people that follow XYZ party. Is there, does that mean that there is a psychological deficiency in their brain that makes them go through this following still? There's a, yeah, there's a psychiatrist who actually wrote an article in Lorient Le Jour a few weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, um, about this, like the fact that politicians are not seen like they're replacing a father figure and i think it's so interesting i'm not going to call it a psychological deficiency <laughs> even if i would like to but no no i think it's just a no in every single other country the state protects the people honey you don't have that you have smaller uh, smaller political parties that protect their people which is why you feel so like 
you feel like everything is so divided because everybody receives a different treatment based on who, who they follow or etc. Like go to the south, uh, hospitals, jobs, schools, everything is funded by a certain political militia. And then if you go elsewhere, come in, it's the exact same thing. So this protection, like the father figure, is these political uh, parties. What happens is that the leaders of these parties are regarded as gods or fathers or like these figures that cannot be brought down. So it's very hard for someone to realize, like, no, uh, m this person is, b it, it, like they have their bad sides and they have their good sides. They only see the good. So it's very hard to argue, uh, to argue with them because you know, they don't move from their position. You know, they can find excuses for this. <laughs> like, can you imagine? And they can find a reasoning because behind the, what the, happened. The, the basic reasoning, honestly, in my opinion, is because you have all these different political parties. Is so if I def if I love party A, I'm just gonna be like, no, it was them. And then they would be like, no, it was them. Yeah, so they just yeah. keep yeah, on blaming each other them. as they always been doing for the past thirty fucking years. So how do you call that? That mental issue. The blame the, game. The blame, the blame, blame, the blame, the blame game. game. I don't know. It's like, it's so fucked up. Sorry. It know. is <laughs> fucked up, isn't it? We like told you you could say fuck. <laughs> so. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Like It's, it's hard crazy. to believe. Yeah. Hard. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm the most sanest person to think, to have my, you know, my opinion on what's, what's right or wrong. But my God. But you know what's even sadder is that people who think like you and I are the minority in this Yeah, case. that's true. And the more I speak to people, the more I realize, like, no, I know. Even people who have this, like, their homes are destroyed. They'll be like, yeah, kalon yani kalon illa x. Illa this person. I No, no, no. Look, look, look. We do, we just, I don't want to give these people more time and attention because khalas, it's a hopeless case. But, but no, no, we will <laughs> move on. And the same points will be just brought up all the time. If these people are going to remain being like this, disassociate yourself from them. It's gotten to a point now where I've made it kind of a manifesto in my head. I don't want to talk to these people. I don't want to see them because they are part of... No, no, no. They're part of the problem. I, no, I totally um, understand. Uh, but I have to tell you, Macron said something so smart when he gave that press conference. He said, Anna, I'm not going to be your savior because people are expecting him to be a savior. I'm not going to be your savior. You elected these people. You deal with the consequences and the next election, use your votes. Like, no, Anna, in 2018, I went down and I voted. I swear to you, it was a two-minute thing. I went there, got in, voted, got out, like, no, there was no one there voting. Sorry to but there's also, like, I hear a lot of stories about people rigging elections as well, like where people the go voting, inside, yeah. Yeah, they, they pay they, people to vote. And they also yeah. Like, yeah. cut off access for people to go and vote for one yeah. hour, so they go no, and they, they rig do. everything. Like, so. for example, you know, before elections, political parties will build schools and yeah. build hospitals and uh, create jobs, They spend all that money they And stole. give money to people, uh, and then for them to vote, yeah. yeah. But you have this whole entire population who doesn't need this help, who doesn't vote. They're, okay, it's these people who are voting. It's these people who are deciding the future of the country. If you're not taking your vote seriously, even if you're going to vote blank, your vote is your vote is so important. One vote makes a difference. Khalas, go vote. For me, I'm just... Are you talking to me? Because no, <laughs> in general. Because <laughs> they, they don't allow me to vote. You don't my have a Lebanese passport. My mom is Lebanese yeah. and I can't get the passport according to our, our rules and regulations. No, but yeah, saying, you know, make the effort and go vote. I agree with you 100%. Not you personally, but no, in No, it's not like you were attacking me, but whatever. <laughs> Diane, I would never attack you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, quite a sentimental moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I call exactly. him Gigi Hadid. Oh, damn. Because he's tall and blonde and blue-eyed. She... I'm glad we got and this he's on... And he's a model. I'm oh. glad we got this on camera. <laughs> real, real cool. Wrapping things up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I want to thank you for, for everything you're doing. I know you only have three patients. <laughs> Hopefully... It's a start. It's a start. <laughs> and you're... you're 
helping three people get over something extremely difficult. So thank you for doing that. And if um, people do want to reach out to you, do they just contact you via Instagram or are you giving yeah, out your course. number? Yeah, send me a DM. Okay. I read them all. Not that I have that nice. many, but anyway. <laughs> good shout out. Good plug. <laughs> Felt like a star good, for a good, minute. Good plug, Drake. <laughs> people, people also listening, you guys, if you want to get in contact and you're shy to contact Tara, contact Gigi Hadid over here. Yeah, yeah. contact yeah. Gigi yeah. Hadid. He'll, He'll be the middleman. G- yeah, Gigi's been doing <laughs> a lot for the cause. <laughs> and if anyone you know needs to talk to anyone, to, like let them talk to me. I can Are refer you them the to camera? someone. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 oh, you're like Martin Luther King. You're uh, giving a speech. <laughs> there okay maybe i was looking at yeah, the camera yeah. actually yeah, i feel yeah. like a star you, you are, want that you million are. dollar shot you, know, <laughs> you are like yeah. <laughs> the lights shining on her face and she okay uh so okay perfect we'll, we'll, we'll put your instagram when we release this and uh thank you very much it was obviously yeah. as always amazing talking to you honestly great conversation Anjad, yeah. i had so much fun guys i was so yeah. anxious before we started <laughs> okay <laughs> 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 what else? Like speaking for the camera and the microphone at least. You were? <laughs> she was like, I was so anxious at <laughs> Silence. I wonder why I was anxious. Ta- ta- why, that wasn't awkward. <laughs> that was funny because like, I was anxious uh, at <laughs> la- la- Laughing is a coping mechanism. Tara Hanna, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Rami, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm a Sabal. Thank you. Also, we'd love your feedback, so please DM us on Instagram at Fauda2020.